Hello, everybody, and welcome to Finding the Guardian of Your Soul. I am so excited to have a very special guest today, Zia Sandia, and I love that name. I can never say it enough times. <laughs> it is really, really like the best stage name. Zia, is that your real name? Is Zia your, fir your first name? No. It no. is name. Yeah. <laughs> I, I won't go there. <laughs> it's what everybody calls me. It's fine. Okay. I'm not going to dispel the illusion. So let me read a little bit about you. Zia Sandia is a dynamic performer from Albuquerque, New Mexico, just up the road from me. Launching her career in Florida, she spent six years mastering diverse entertainment forms like dance, modeling, mermaiding, which we're going to get into, and fire eating, rapidly mark, making a mark in the South, the versatile Zia has since performed globally, captivating audiences with her unique arts. With expertise ranging from fans to fire, she specializes in various dance forms like go-go, ballet, folk folklorico, belly dance, samba, and notably burlesque. Zia's burlesque acts are diverse, incorporating props, distinct characters, and styles some even featuring singing, generous glitter, or fire. <laughs> For a glimpse of her offerings, you can visit her website. And is that ZiaSandia.com? Yep, pretty easy. Pretty easy. Zia, it is such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. It is yeah. such a pleasure to be here. I will say one thing to correct. I have never done ballet in my life. No, it's ballet folklorico. Yes, ballet yes. folklorico is whole different <laughs> world of dance. Yeah. No, it was on two different lines. So we yeah. had ballet and then folklorico on the next line. That's fair. So I'm like, don't get it twisted. I cannot stand on my toes. <laughs> uh, no, I thought that didn't quite go with the rest of the repertoire. So. <laughs> yeah, I wish. I can do some great footwork because of it, but I cannot stand on my toes. <laughs> Well, Zia, it is such a pleasure to have you back. You. Um, not back to this pod, you know, not back to, to this broadcast, but um, we recently did for the women in our upper level courses, we had about 50 women of all ages from all over the world here in Santa Fe. And you came and performed for them, which was... <laughs> It was so much fun. Yeah, and you told me you had a little bit of trepidation, which I didn't know and did not show when you were there. You commanded that room. But let's talk a little bit. Let's roll back the hands of time and let's talk a little bit about your story and why you were feeling trepidation walking into that group of women. Well, uh my story. It's a lot. Um, I grew up very religious. Um, so I kind of felt like one of the reasons I was a little bit nervous was based off what I do, I've always kind of received a lot more like negative feedback from women who are older than me based off religion, based off what I was taught. Those are also the ones who, growing up, those are the ones who would kind of punish, you know, they were, they were the in-between for like 
the father, the head of the household. So, you know, older women have always kind of made me a bit intimidated because a lot of times I've received more negative feedback than positive feedback over what I'm doing. And that could be generational trauma. That could be mixed with religion. That could be someone's personal opinion. I try not to take it personally, but you can't help but feel a little a little like, gosh, I hope this goes right. I hope I'm well received. You know, nobody wants to be, you know, shunned or mislabeled or be told that what they do is not valid. So it, it was, it was nerve wracking, but it was worth it. So I grew up in a religious home. I left at 18 and realized that I, performing is my love. And there was not going to be any opinions that were going to stop me um, from doing what I love to do. And in the process of pursuing what I love, it has fulfilled me in so many other ways that the things I was a part of did not do and brings a satisfaction and joy of life that I never thought I could have. So it was great being there because when these women were so kind and welcoming and loved what we did and had a good time and watching them from the start was so different from seeing them at the end. They were also nervous, a little uptight, but towards the end, I just really saw them all loosen up and have fun and really let go because you really have to let go of letting what other people think affect you. Um, because you know, you're not always going to get people's approval. So you have to do it for yourself. And when I think that they, realize that and it kind of snapped from I saw these women just transform to being free and fun and accepting <laughs> themselves and who cares what other people think you know I'd say this isn't for them it's for you well, and I think Zia what, what you know women seeing you in front of that audience right and that you coming in and starting out doing a burlesque number and you seem so confident and like you own the room and they don't really know your story and how you grew up and what it was like. And, how, and can you share a little bit more about what that was like and what you over have overcome to be able to walk up in front of a, an audience and take your clothes off and really command the stage? Uh, it's, it's taken a lot of therapy, self-work, self-love, um, deconstructing of what I was originally taught, um, and rebuilding from there, which is very hard for people, um, when they leave religion, because you thought you had everything so, so sure. Everything was so sure. And it made so much sense but it didn't, you know, I was always the one to question things and I'd get in trouble for that a lot. But, um, I think I've always kind of been that black sheep art person who had to accept that I wasn't always accepted. So that kind of has helped me over the years to, um, just not care. It's literally about not caring anymore. Um, my religious background could have influenced me, but I've just decided to not care what people think. And I actively remember doing this kind of in my late teens of going, you know what? I have been spent my whole life trying to win people's approval and love. And, you know, I was taught love is conditional and it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be. And it especially shouldn't be for myself as an individual. And that took me years to realize it took me 
several years of unpacking, like I said, in my adult life after I had left my home, going to therapy and learning about myself and wondering why I do things the way I do or why I feel things the way I feel. Asking oneself why really helps you kind of keep your emotions at bay and grow to believe in yourself and make and trust yourself to make decisions. I think a lot of that too was at 21, I packed up and left to Florida. I didn't have any family or friends. I just decided I need a change here in Albuquerque. I couldn't do it anymore. I was heavily depressed. I had gone through a lot of trauma after leaving my home because I just didn't know anything about the world. I was completely ignorant to so much that there were a lot of predators along the way. And I had to learn how to trust myself. And so when you start learning how to trust yourself and not let, and like, yes, you can take opinion. Yes, you can take somebody's point of view and think about it, but not letting it influence you to a point where you're letting someone hurt you. Um, it, it, it takes work because you do have to stay humble, but you do have to also trust yourself. And that doesn't mean you're selfish or cocky, even though people may call you that because you're making decisions for yourself for the first time. So how did you fall in love with dance? I have been dancing since I was two. Oh. <laughs> uh, it's always been there. I did ballet folklorico um, from ages of two to about eight. Then I stopped and went back around middle school. My mom started homeschooling me and I needed some sort of, sort of socialization. Um, so I did ballet folklorico lit- literally up until the point I left to Florida. I taught... I taught at Albuquerque High for a little bit as an internship. I was teaching mids. I've taught babies. Um, we'd call those like the little ones, the ones where I started. And I did ballet folklorico for years. It took me to London. It took me all over the world. Um, so I traveled with dance as a, at a young age too. Um, but then I moved away and I didn't have folklorico anymore. And so I actually wandered into a bar and they're like, there's a burlesque show. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. So I paid the cover and walked in and then saw something that blew my mind. And I walked up to the hostess and I said, hi, how do I do this? Because this is the dance I've been missing in my life. And I just love how freeing and open it is. And I have been finding that for myself over the years, that it's okay to be free and open and share your art share who you are, be sensual and have, be in touch with that sexuality and that femininity, which I really struggled with. I wasn't allowed to wear like a, a lot of makeup or things like that. So I was very much a tomboy. So burlesque also got me in tune with more of reaching and in touch with my feminine side. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something that I'm easily tapped into. Uh-huh. And what was it like the first time you went on stage and actually took your clothes off and were standing there. Not a lot to cuss because honestly, you go for it. Scared and shitless. Literally, I was terrified. I was so afraid. I just to do something that I knew my family found to be so controversial that I wasn't sure I could even do. That I was so worried about the order of my clothes coming off and feeling eyes on me the way, because of this new experience. Now, mind you, I hadn't danced in a few years because I took a break when I moved to Florida, didn't have any form of dance. So just being back on the stage just petrified me because it was not something I was comfortable with, which I had gotten to with, um, So just terrifying, 
Um, I mean, there's no real word for it. Um, it's, I started with, I have a rule, one drink for nerves. And it was because of those first few times where I did it. And I had a Red Bull and I was pure ball of anxiety. Huh? <laughs> so, it just took a lot. It took courage. It took me going, you know what? I'm just going to do it and not care what people think. Just like I have to train my mind to be. So it's scary, but it was worth it. And tell me, what is mermaiding? Oh, it's pretty popular these days. It's throwing on a tail and <laughs> women in the pool and working at kids' parties. Or like I had a little nephew where I had him on my back and I was swimming like a mermaid and just just making making someone's day by dressing as a mermaid for a gig or party uh-huh. or opportunity. It could be for ambiance. I've done adult parties and then I've done children's parties where you can do you know, I've done princess impersonations too. So it's just a variety of options I, I offer. And I do love to swim. I've always loved to swim. So uh-huh. it's a skill I would like to grow in and having a couple tails, I just, I can go off mood and be a mermaid every now and then and hit the pool. And you get some strange looks doing that, like I said, but you know, what else is new? <laughs> Wow, that's wild. So that's you do that for parties. People hire you to actually do that. Yeah, yeah. Or I just do it for fun. Sometimes I just want to be a mermaid, you know. (laughs) Problems about just want to like hang out with fish and seashells, you know. (laughs) Mermaid on. (laughs) Now you're getting it. Wow. And you also do belly dancing and samba. Yes. And go, go. Like I did that more in Florida. Um, I was hired at a Greek restaurant to do belly dancing for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, I was doing a lot of classes for that in Samba at the time. I'm a little rusty. I need to go back to do more classes and other things. Um, but I love it. I love all forms of dance. If I can just move, I'm free and it's, it is another language. So I'll try it all. I'm buffet of dance. Let me eat it all. <laughs> That's funny. So trained in multiple forms of dance and entertainment. What was the most challenging of all the forms and why? I would say burlesque. 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 Um, Also, I was, I've been a stripper before and that those two just comes with a lot, a lot of weight to them. And it's unfortunate because it shouldn't, Um, but it does. It comes with judgment and, it comes with, but like, honestly, I was just telling somebody recently, like, pole dancers are the strongest. They're physically so strong. They can hold their own body weight. They're so talented. They're so skilled. And they work with all kinds of people. Uh, I joke, you're not just a stripper, you're a therapist. You deal with all kinds of people, situations, things, and you have to be able to navigate it. And they're amazing in sales. I would hire strippers all day if I owned a business because they can sell. They know how to sell. And uh, they're hard workers. And so there's just so much of the stigma that comes with burlesque and stripping and pole dancing. But like they're, they take so much strength, not just physically, but also emotionally. You do get a lot of, like I said, backlash or mistreatment for doing what you do or eyes judgment it's just there it's because it's always been kind of a taboo thing portrayed in media 
but it, it really shouldn't be because whew, I don't know many people that can do what they do. That's <laughs> I had, you know, I had this young woman I coached in Los Angeles and one of the sweetest women, her name was Angela, you know, angel. And she really was an angel and she got caught up in stripping because she went from a very small town to Los Angeles to act and her acting career didn't take off. No, it hardly does. Yeah, it rarely does. Very hard. And she wound up in a relationship with a guy that didn't work and he relied on her for her, for, you know, to support them. And there were drugs involved, you know, and, and this very young, pure, sweet woman found herself in that whole world. And there is, I, I'm sure, you know, you've had experience, a dark side to that world. There can be. I would say um, it's all about the person. Um, <laughs> some have a lot of trouble with self-control and balance. Uh, I personally try to balance all of that the best I can because it is there. Um, Mm -hmm. And there are just, I've realized it's not people, it's places that are just certain things that can be what I call high risk. There is a dark undertone in that world. um, And you just have to be careful. You have to be good with boundaries, self-control. It is very easy to get caught up in that. um, And it's because it's common in the world around you. It's kind of like, you have to, you have to just be able to set boundaries. I know I do. Like I, I don't drink when I'm at work. I'm very aware. I don't judge either. Um, you know, a lot of times people are doing what they need, what they feel they need to do. And it is no place for me to judge. And I would be completely hypocritical to judge. So I believe, um, every life is valid and valuable. Yes. They're in high risk situations or scenarios sometimes. Um, and that is why they need more protection. One thing I've always said I like about the club is that there is security. So I do still call the shots. If somebody is being too aggressive or too harsh, I had to learn, especially in that world, how to say no and put my foot down and be bold. And it's something because it was more of an exercise because I was never taught to do that. I was taught go along with authority. Don't question things. Trust people. But you have to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. And so being ignorant to the the dark side of things is no way to live. In fact, you should learn more about it to, in order to protect yourself. It's kind of like knowing your enemy. So if you have an idea of what you're dealing with, what you're looking for, what to stay away from, I very much pick um, pick customers based off like energies, like a good exchange energy. This is someone I can talk to. I try talking to them first. And if mm-hmm. it's just not working, I don't force it. I just walk away. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to put myself in a situation. I'm not going to stress myself out. And I did it part-time. So, you know, I didn't have to talk to everybody. Some people do. So I don't judge whatever you need to do. Just make sure you're safe. And one thing that I've been lucky enough to have is I work in a place where the girls really look out for each other. Mm-hmm. And that's not always the case. So, you know, if someone is in a bad state or needs a ride home. I've given many girls rides home. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody needs their hair being held because they drink a little too much, that's <laughs> we can't deny it. It is there, but it's yeah. not how we look out for each other. And it is interesting that in a world that is surrounded by many men who are supposed to be protectors, the women often 
protect themselves. The performers protect themselves. They take care of each other. Yes. And it should mm-hmm. be that way. And it, it always has kind of been that way, even in sex work. Um, yeah. you know, they look out for each other. And it's important to do that. It's important to build each other up, not compete. And mm-hmm. be open-minded enough to allow people to do what they do and not judge them. Mm-hmm. And protect yeah. themselves. I have another client who also was a stripper when she, she paid her way through college and she is amazing. She's married to a really incredible man and yeah, she's, she's doing great, but she has no, you know, qualms. Like she just is like, yeah, you know, I stripped through college and one of she referred a client to me and they took her, she and her boyfriend took this woman to a strip club with her, you know, and she, she was lovely. It's a, it's really a shame. It would be nice if it were more accepted and if it were more protected, you know, that, that if it were more well received as a part of our culture, you know, the women could be more, more protected. Um, Let's talk about sensuality, because you told me at one point that you didn't feel you had any. (laughs) I've always been an awkward homeschool kid, is what I describe myself. Uh, I was homeschooled for all of middle school and half of high school, which is prime social developmental years. Um, But regarding sensuality, that was just off the table. We didn't talk about it. I never got a sex ed class. I never understood anything about sensuality that was just so unheard of um and you just don't do it that was meant for the husband only at home private in the bedroom or not at all (laughs) you know so it was very very extreme um honestly one of the reasons I started in burlesque but one of the reasons I became a stripper was to practice sensuality because sensuality on the stage is something you really have to work on grow to be comfortable with and harness that energy to give it to the audience. So it it was something I struggled with for a long time. I started with a lot of comedy numbers mm-hmm. or skills I was very good at, like uh, Isis wings. You know, I had done Pocorico for years. I could do a lot of a lot with skirt work. So I would go with what I knew, and I built up to that. But when I'd watch performers on stage because uh, I love I love watching shows just as much as being a part of them. Um, I can eat it up for days. But I would notice these performers that could just grasp sensuality on the stage and make you feel totally aroused. And you're like 30 feet away sitting in a chair. And it's like, whoa, that was awesome. What was that, you know, to excite the audience, to pull out sensuality and lure them in on a mass scale was something that was such a challenge to me, like something I didn't ever think I could do. And it, but I love to challenge myself and I've always been the type, well, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to learn how to do this. And so I would say it's probably only been the past couple of years where I've developed the ability to be completely sensual on stage and be that raw. And it's taken, like I said, I'm 30 probably 25, 26 years of avoiding that and working on it. So there is time. You can learn it on a fast mass scale, but you can, it is hard. It's scary. It's scary to be vulnerable. And that's for anybody. We are taught to live in a rigid world where we don't show those soft, sensual sides. And if you can tap into it, 
and not only tap into it for yourself, but share it with others. It's otherworldly, I think, because it's so important once you realize that you have that power and that you have that ability. And then you look around you in this world that doesn't do that or accept it or it's taboo or it's strange or not welcomed. There's so many words for that because it's culturally in America, we're very puritanical. So to let out sensuality, we have a whole world of Hollywood and media where that's always on TV and expressed, but then in the world we live in, it's completely not. It's very confusing. Well, can you take it from your dance into your real life? Like, do you feel that you're able to do, you know, with men, if you meet a guy that you like, are you able to step into that sensuality? I'm so I'm pansexual, so I don't really care about gender. I'm very much Uh feelings, auras, uh, hi, like I've always been very flirty. That's something I can say about myself is I've always been flirtatious, but never really sensual. And so there is definitely a difference because I like to flirt or, you know, make someone laugh. I'm kind of a goober. Again, comedy numbers. Um, so I've always like, you know, poked at it, you know, I mean, I, I, like, I like to just lean into sensuality with humor almost, I guess you could say, because humor makes the most sense to me. <laughs> But yeah, I think flirting wise, that's how I've always kind of like, hee hee hee, I'll make a little joke and run away kind of thing. And that's, that's how I've been sensual when it comes to like my personal life. Mm-hmm. On stage though, I would say they're kind of two different things for me. Some people can harness them. The stage I'm really trying to embody and it comes down to like learning theatrics and like really trying to like share it amongst the people and not take skill and technique. Um, it's not the same as like a one-on-one, hey, cutie, patootie, you know? <laughs> um, my my sensuality is being flirty and, and silly. Um, <laughs> and if you like that, then... Oh, yeah. Uh, well, like you're if you are a little more serious. I may not be the one. <laughs> well, your humor is very alluring. I mean, that is one of the things that you really brought with you to to the class in particular that you did it was it breaks the ice it Mm -hmm. makes people feel relaxed I've always used humor as a comfort even in a bad situation if Mm -hmm. something's going wrong I'll make a joke about it I'm like maybe I was meant to be a stand-up comedian in another life and laugh about my pain (laughs) Uh uh-huh how if you if you you know, you saw the women in, you know, that were there at the at the workshop or at the retreat. What a lot of them came away saying, wow, I really want to take some burlesque classes. I want to explore this more. What do you think about women taking classes and getting more into their bodies and using dance as a way to do that? I love it. I love it so, so that makes, that's music to my ears, what you just said to me, because that's why I got into it is to not feel so in my head, not so rigid to let go, to explore myself. Burlesque is about the art of the tease. It is about literally encompassing sensuality. Now the word does mean parody. Burlesque means parody. So that's why comedy comes with it. Um, But the point is to 
you know, there was one act in the 40s where there was a 12 minute glove peel and it was so sensual. It was so seductive. And it's all about how you touch and feel about your own body. And truly, you have to find the sensuality and the beauty within yourself in order to invoke that to others. So burlesque to me was a huge exercise in embracing that about myself. So hearing that other women tapped into what that was, that was the point. That was the point of it. They, they felt it. They tapped into that thing that said, wow, I can love my body. I can love myself. I can show it off. I can embrace all this. And there's nothing really wrong with it. It is for me. It is for my mind. It is for my body. It is for my soul. And it doesn't matter what other people think. This is about finding joy and healing through me. Now, I do try to tell performers who wanting to perform, if you're doing it for yourself, that's one thing. If you want to use it as a heart, an art and a therapy, I get it. But make sure if you're performing, you do the job and do it well and recognize that it is also a job people are hiring you for. So it's a matter of mixing professionalism and personal. Personal comes into the act, the encompassing of that, and then business comes with the, uh, the performative side. And Sia, talk a little bit more about having explored, you know, really exploring your sensuality through the burlesque and the dance and how that has affected you as a person, you know, feeling more beautiful, feeling more sensual. How are you, you know, because you mentioned earlier that you were very, you were depressed, you felt uh, um, oppressed by your religious upbringing and explore, you know, taking this brave leap and doing this thing that's so taboo, you're, I'm guessing you're a very different person today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, heavily. Uh, when you start tapping into that, you start exploring your inner self more. And with that naturally comes change, I think. Um, I think it, it brought to me a lot of growth. Um, because as I, as I mentioned before, like I had to learn how to trust myself and how to love myself. Trusting myself was one difficulty, but loving myself and being able to share that with others is a whole other thing. And that's what burlesque helped me tap into. Um, like I said, the fact that they felt that that's kind of the, the light that starts it. It, it. It's like a flame is lit from there. It can become a burning fire within you. And that is because you are taking the time to love yourself, explore yourself and grow within yourself. And so it just happens over time. You start realizing some, you know, religious people have said like, oh, I've just been kind of, you know, brainwashed or my mind has been changed or whatever to think that that's okay. But honestly, no, it was my own critical thinking that made me realize the body is the soul vessel. Like there is nothing to be ashamed of. Having sensuality and sexuality is part of the human experience. We can't suppress it. It only leads to bad things. We see that over and over. What suppressing sensuality, which is so natural within us, does. It hurts people because they just can't handle the oppression, so they take it out or project it onto others. And it's because it's so unnatural. So once you start realizing 
wow, I can, I can love myself and I can project this to others and I can be sensual with others. I can be vulnerable while also taking care of my sexual health. It's unreal. And burlesque plays a part in that because sensuality is a big part of it. Yes. Your own personal journey is one thing, but they tend to mesh together. And when you meet people who've been on other journeys that are different than yours, but have an experience and have the awakening of this is what I love to do because it helps me to love myself and share this love with others. You just start realizing, I think they have it right. (laughs) I think they're doing something right, not wrong. And I think I was doing something wrong. And so it it sounds like as a woman, it can be incredibly empowering to really feel your your beauty, your sensuality, instead of feeling that there's something wrong with it. And I think that that is really an issue for women today, is that they find their power in their work and their corporate jobs and, you know, in, in all these other things. But they lose sight of who they are as women. I think... That comes with, not to sound like, you know, cliche, but the patriarchy in many ways. Um, We are taught as women that we are a threat and we need to stay in line. And if we are going to be seen as worth it or worthy to a man, we better learn our place. And that is just kind of, that teaches women that they need to offer something more than what they just are um, to be good enough. And in the process of doing that, Yes, we as humans want to be successful. We want to be comfortable. Um, I think we live in a society where work is life and you lose that humanistic side of you. And I worked a corporate job 10 years. So I literally watched. Did you really? No. I quit because I literally told myself I'm I'm losing empathy. I'm losing empathy and I'm losing my sense of self for a paycheck. And it, it sounds crazy. I just can't do it anymore. I can't do it. This isn't who I am. I care about people. I want to believe in people. And that is that loving, nurturing, feminine side of me that wants to look out for others. And to lose that for a paycheck in a corporate suit was not worth it to me. But we're taught in this world that that is success. That is what you need to be a successful person in this world. And to me, a successful person is someone who is living according to their own truth and sense of self and loving themselves. It is not about money or income or status or finances. And that is so ingrained in us that, and that is taught so much by patriarchal figures that that is what is important, um, that we want to keep up as women since the seventies, we wanted to work. We want us, we want to be equals, but that doesn't mean we have to lose ourselves in the process. See, when you're up on stage, what does it feel like? To know that there's all these men in the audience that want to have sex with you and, you know, seriously. never think of it like that. <laughs> I'm curious. Like, you know, there's, there's an audience full of men and you're literally up there dancing. Do you just focus on the performance aspect of it and just not think about no, I don't. That there's I don't a bunch of horny men like staring up at you, going, "All right." Like, I, honestly, um, I don't hate men, but a lot of times uh, in burlesque, 
the women in clientele tend to be women in couples. And yes, I think there is a sexual attraction there for all performance performers. There are men who come to that too, but many men, if they really want to kind of get that involved, they tend to go to just a strip club <laughs> there. So in many ways, I, the difference to me between burlesque and stripping is, is it's seen more as an art in the burlesque world, even though stripping is completely an art within itself. Um, I think the reason the clientele and the audience members is because it tends to be more artsy and theatrical. And yes, there's a sensual element to it completely. Um, I really don't think of it that way. I think of like, what do I want to give out? How do I want to perform? What message do I want to give out there? How do I want to entertain this crowd? Let me look at this crowd. What kind of crowd are they? I'm more down to the sciences of the art form than thinking anything about uh, somebody wants to have sex with me. I, I get enough male attention to know that they do. <laughs> not all of them because they're not everybody's type. Right. But, you know, men do want that. Um, and I, I think it's really funny. I, I've really struggled where women like attention from men because I can't relate. I'm like, oh no, it's, they can yeah. take you. you go ahead and enjoy that over there. Cause I don't want anything to do with that. It's very hard for me to like, enjoy it. I'm kind of like, and I understand that that, there's chapters in life where maybe one day I will want male attention again. You know, I'm things happen in a, in a world and mind where people change, but I'm usually like, I'm just here to perform. <laughs> Keep it simple. Um, and then, you know, people have said like, Oh, let's go home together. I'm like, I am so sweaty and gross. <laughs> and I need to go change out of this costume and shower and my makeup's running down. you it is not a good time, my friend. I, and not for me anyway. Like I, I have a lot of trouble with that. So interesting. it's, it's more the art form. Sensuality mm-hmm. is a part of it. But well, my per- personal life is very separate, I would say. Yeah. And burlesque is different than, than stripping, right? They're two very different things. Well, you're getting different experiences. Mm-hmm. So the experiences that's way more you know, intimate in your face you know, private dances, that tends to be more stripping. Um, mm-hmm. Burlesque tends to be on a stage or sometimes you're involved, but it's more entertainment in mm-hmm. that sense for like a bar or a venue. It's a little more light in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, sensuality is there, but there's a lot of, you know, consent rules. There's an audience. No one's ever doing a private room. So that is why it changes. It's just different experiences. Mm-hmm. Well, and one of the things I'm skipping around a little that I loved in the performance that my husband and I went to see was uh, I loved, you know, that there were just women of all shapes and sizes. And, you know, there was one very large woman who was in from, I think, New York and she performed. And you know, well, she's amazing. Yeah, and it was just incredible to see the range of women who are exploring, you know, who are doing this and who feel. That's that's one thing I love about burlesque is it's one of the most inclusive art forms um, where gender and size does not matter, nor it should, nor should it. Uh, Honestly, my rule is as a producer, I say, I don't care what you look like. If you can bring it, that's all I care about. Like, just bring it show them up, tell them how it's done. 
I don't you and that comes with self-love like we're all so different there's this standard of beauty that has been pushed and ingrained on us with Hollywood but now it's more accepting than ever and we're growing and getting better with that but in burlesque it's one of the pioneers for pushing that and that's what I've always loved about burlesque is the inclusivity and nobody should be looking at at color or size we're people we're all going to, we're going to come in all different shapes and sizes, just like our personalities, just like our hair color, just like our sensualities. Like it's, it's all a spectrum mm-hmm. so to say you need to look like this has always bothered me. And I've even walked away from some jobs where somebody's like, well, I want them to look like this. I'm like, I'm sending you people with skill and talent. And if you think that I need to see what your definition of beauty is in your eyes in order to get you what you're looking for. I think it's better we just walk away from here because I'm not going to see that. I'm not going to look at people like that. I don't want to look at people like that. You obviously know what you want. So you go get them. I'm not going to go find them for you. (laughs) It's good. I think we're at time, honey. I know we have to, we have to end here, but I know this won't be our last, the last time that we meet and, um, yeah. Is there anything that you would want to say just to women, you know, last words of encouragement about exploring their sensuality through dance about, you know, loving themselves? Well, why don't you have the last word here? I want to say um, thank you for having me. It has been honestly a joy to work with you in all forms and uh, an honor to be here as a guest. Uh, I want to say sorry to the audience because I have ADHD, so I bounce. So <laughs> I apologize if it was a lot today. Um, the other thing I want to just share is, you know, something I said in your class is we cannot fill others' cups until we fill our own. Um, and that is a, something a friend told me that has always stuck with me. And if you can learn self-love, sensuality, personal, just give yourself a hug really explore you and what you want and what's best for you and not worry about others. You're going to be a lot happier. And that's all I would ever want for people is to be happy. And that's not always a permanent feeling, <laughs> but it is an overall goal. <laughs> so, um, well, I, and I also see, I think going and taking a class or yes, go take for less. That's the other yeah, because for, because it's so out of women's comfort zones. It's good and, to be out of your comfort zone. Yeah, but to be able to actually get up there and have, you know, I'm sure in the classes the, that the women are really supportive and, you know, and it's a lot of fun. And to be able to do something like that must be such, you know, such a great way to stretch into their sensuality. Yes, it is. And you know what, when you do take classes, kind of like we did in the class, like you're around a lot of other people taking classes, but the class is not for them. It's for you as the individual. So you can take what you want from it. Um, You can learn a lot from it and you can really grow when your sensuality, once you learn to let go, because then you're not having anything hold you back. You're in open fields mm-hmm. and you can really take those moments to explore and not hold yourself. Awesome. 
Thank you so much, honey. I'm Lisa Shield. Thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you, Zia, for being here. Please come back and see us again. You can send us your suggestions for future podcasts, the podcast at lisashield.com. You can also catch my husband and me on our other broadcast, which is Getting Inside the Right Nail Mind. And if you're interested in working with me and finding what I call the guardian of your soul, then please go to lisashield.com, click the button all over my website to view my free 45-minute presentation. At the end of the presentation, that's where you can book a call with me or a member of my team. We will jump on a call with you and show you how we can help you find true love now. So please don't waste time. Jump on our website and click that button <laughs> and let us show you how we can help you get this solved. Zia, thank you again. We will see you all again. And uh, have a wonderful rest of your day.